Hey everyone, get ready to get thirsty while we learn from the Boba Guys! Co-founders Andrew and Ben. Get a cup of coffee, tea, or some boba and listen to this episode with the Boba Guys! So to start off, who's Andrew and who's Ben? I feel like I'm a son of an immigrant. My dad was a bus driver and my mom, she was a, she was a call center operator. So my parents didn't have college educations at all. We started Boba Guys on the side as a passion project. And I think that's where Ben and I are both, I would say, uh, very progressive. Like we try to think of what the future looks like. I was born in Taiwan and came to the U.S. when I was two. We landed in Texas, very small, small town. The only Asian all the way up until high school, I think. And then there was an exchange student. For me, I don't use the word visionary, but I do like futurist. I definitely, I definitely fancy myself a futurist. I do like have a deep love for technology. I like where things are going. And I also like, I like the fact that there's change. Like a lot of people don't. I like that every day, you know, anything could change. For me, I thought after Timbuktu, like I would probably go into tech. Like he and I, before we started Bow Guys, we were like, we're probably going to build a tech company. I together? Think yeah, 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 together. I mean, the way that we see the future, I mean, anyone that's a, uh, I want to say futurist, I don't want to say visionary, but yeah. anyone that see, <laughs> sees a vision of the future. I would just own it. We're visionaries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyone that sees a vision of the future, you know, has to think that they can they can kind of change it. And so I think, I think technology is some oftentimes the quickest path towards that. So there's an idea of companies being tech-enabled nowadays. Sure. If you think about like at Everlane, would you say Boba Guys? is similar to a tech-enabled company, or how would you categorize? We still applied a lot of tech tactics to, mm. to our, our vertical. I mean, Boba Guys itself, when it first started, was essentially like the lean, the lean startup, right? We mm -hmm. started as a pop-up shop. Mm -hmm. We served in a ramen restaurant. We did it when we kept our full-time jobs. You know, it was very low risk, but a lot of high social risk. It was very, very lean, not a lot of capital expenditure. So for us, it's basically a... A food startup. We just find ways that, you know, we've borrowed from our tech worlds into what we build now. What we always used to talk about is does iterative approaches, not just lean startup, which is one way, but lean startup into an iterative mm -hmm. approach, does that work in food? Because in food, you generally are like formula done out the door, where we're kind of tweaking a recipe as we go. And it's kind of, we heard it actually hasn't really been done at scale. The only way we get away with that is because our big three values are quality, transparency, and giving a damn. The transparency part is actually what gives us the carte blanche to, to do that because we're telling people like, hey, look, our almond milk changed. Our supplier changed the almond milk on us. It doesn't taste the same. Um, we're telling you now, you know, or, hey, we're going to have to raise prices on you. We're telling you two months in advance or we're tweaking this formula just so you know, hey, taste this. If you don't like is, it, we're going to another. Is there any backlash from that? Like I'm always telling them being overly transparent. So let's say you, you're not transparent. Let's say it's opaque. Would you pay more or less for something that you know you don't know what you're getting for? So transparency, if you know what you're getting, you actually would pay more for it. There's a, there's a premium on there. And I think that mega trend is happening right now. And I remember saying this to Ben. I said, no matter what we build, the one thing that I want to do, I said, I want to build the world's most transparent company. The, the value of being transparent kind of, did that stem from being Asian American at all? Yeah, for sure. That was actually the core of it. We very, the first time we even started Boba Guys, we said, we're, people are going to say, I mean, for part of the better, there's no word, better word for it. People are like, you guys are going to be whitewashed. You guys are hipster. Not authentic. Not authentic. Inauthentic. And I knew they were, Ben and I were like, they're going to say it. 
who are you to say it's not authentic? It's authentic to me. We're Asian American. Like, yeah. Like, did I like grow up in China? No, I didn't. I'm bringing what I know. Let's talk about that a little more. I imagine when you start a business, um, the first earliest adopter, the earliest customers to happen to be Asian, I'd say, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who enjoy boba drinks, right? Yeah. As you kind of go more like the broader market where you have diverse customers, how do you change your product or adjust to that or you don't adjust to that, but make sure you have that authenticity without, some would say, selling out? Our mission is to bridge culture. So like yeah. the fact that we started in the Mission District in 2011, two Asian American guys serving Orchata boba, right? Like that's literally two cultures colliding together mm-hmm. for us as we grow. You know, we just have to be true to that mission. If you're in San Francisco, you come to our, our stores and you look at our lines, like we have school children, we have women that don't speak English, we have grandmas, we have families, we have techies, we have a whole melting pot coming to our stores. And part of it is because uh, we have something for everyone in that we're, we're very, very inclusive. There was this comment that I put on our Slack, right? Or somebody was like, this got me mad. So I, I, this is non, the comment's not PC, but I think we should talk about it because it's a real issue. And it's a real issue that I think business owners, especially of ethnic food. It was an Asian person saying on Twitter, like, and he has like some decent amount of followers. He says, I, lo- I can't just get in, I can't get into boba guys because I don't trust the, essentially he said, whitey serving boba, taking my order or something like that, right? I got mad. I put on our Slack and I said, this is why we exist. Our mission is to bridge cultures. It's not blend cultures. Blend cultures is different. A lot of people think, oh, Boba Guys is the blend cultures. That's Asian fusion. That's like two things and you make it a new thing. Mm. Like you just put in a blender. We don't do that. We do things that are real Asian. And so I think at the end of the day, we're very bold about this is our culture. This is Boba culture. This is Asian American culture. This is ethnic food culture. What Ben and I always talk about is we have to figure out how to make it approachable, how to make it accessible. That's what I think we do the best. Ben and I actually have the honor, the White House has us speaking for something on behalf of API. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. And part of the reason why I think we were chosen was because we don't, we're not really shy about bridging cultures and they see us as a re- representative of the uh, API, Asian American Pacific Islander community. We don't always play up the Asian card, but in times we I think we will say, yeah, we do represent, we're not gonna be shy about who we are. Let's talk about um, the, the combination of being not shy and being Asian, mm. that topic, right? Because I, I think growing up, a lot of times, the traditional type of Asian person is kind of quiet or almost... Yeah. Timid? Timid, right? Yeah, Probably timid. More timid. Yeah, yeah, passive sometimes. Yeah, yeah, passive, right? You can't generalize all Asian Americans, but it is more true than not that culture is about not being overly outspoken, not being brash or coming off arrogant. My dad... I think the Cantonese is Kyungo. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You speak like, Cantonese also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad's Canto. Okay. Canto. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Malay. So then that's why, I, like, I was just like, oh. Like, that, that's like a negative connotation. Yeah. I'm like, being like confident is what I think of it is. But my dad calls it, you know, Kyungo. Yeah. And so I was like, huh, okay. So I think there's already a cultural difference. When you guys were at Timbuktu, was there a sense of wanting to transition um, to start your own thing because you, you saw maybe a bamboo ceiling um, within the corporate world? Timbuktu wouldn't have been the example for that because they are very, it's a very, very, open-minded. Fl- yeah, very open-minded, very flat organization. I think it was more because Andrew and I had an itch to build a company. So a lot of these 
tech-enabled companies are, are starting to raise money. From what it sounds like, you guys are very proud of being self-funded. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the thought process be- behind either being self-funded or even looking to fundraise in the near future? You know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but if when we talk about Boba Guys, like the company, like stores in New York and San Francisco, what are we? I mean, our mission is to bridge cultures. What's your book cover? It would be a company with a soul. Boba Guys, a company with a soul. Like the definition of a soul is, you know, it's like the essence of something that outlives its body, right? So Ben and I always say our favorite company is the Patagonia. Um, Yvonne Chouinard, the founder, he wrote a book, two books, but one of them is called Let My People Go Surfing, The Story of a Reluctant Businessman. And he talks about kind of how he got into and built Patagonia. And he always said from the very beginning that he wanted to build a 100-year-old company that outlives him. And Ben and I, I know it's, again, it sounds like it's ahead of ourselves, but that's our mentality. Whether we not, we hit 100, I mean, we're barely five years old. So, like, we still got a long way to go. But our ambition is that. So I know we have high goals. When we talk about, like, if we were to fundraise and everything, a lot of it is, like, how do you keep a company with a soul? Talking about the business and and being kind of your own entrepreneurs, um, what's keeping you up at night? I'll say mine because I think the whole company knows it's mine, is people. Not in a bad way, it's people don't give me up, but what to do about personnel, how to keep, retain, and hire good talent is hands down a thing I'm obsessed with. We consciously chose to home grow. That's why we self-funded. That's why we didn't take uh, early, early investment because we've had multiple chances to. If our mission is to just kind of build like a lasting team and not one that has a lot of, we actually, in our industry, we have really, really low turnover. So for us, it's just making sure that as we grow, how do you keep that culture? And what's, because we're no longer the young, hot thing, right? It's like we've been around. But each time we think our 15 minutes are up, it seems like we just get a ton of press. So none of it's really died. And I think a lot of that is attributed to the culture, the type of people we hire, the people that we invest in. So for us, it's like, how do you sustain a brand for such a long time and you know there's so many things that go into it there's the ops there's the people there's the do people think it's cool is this category growing Um, all these things things come into play and so it's like for me it's about thinking like how to continue to stay relevant was it hard to make that transition given your your parents perspective you guys had a stable i guess corporate job that everybody wanted to be proud of and speak about but I didn't initially tell my, my parents, but like, honestly, like, I think my parents are more, they know every job I've worked at, I've always had a pretty extensive freelance side gig. Like, I always, they always knew that, hey, you could kind of, kind of take care of yourself. So if you want to do this thing, like, great, you know, like, do that because they've seen it. They've seen that I can kind of do it on my own. So when they started seeing, they see, they saw us on video a lot. I think that's when my parents were really, like, yeah. Oh, because well, they're not. My parents are local. Yeah, because yeah. my parents were in uh, Texas. So they would see us on video even in the early days when we were a pop up. I was like, I couldn't really explain it that well. And I'm like, this, we're doing this thing, and we don't have a store, and it's inside of a ramen restaurant. The pop ups in general. Yeah, pop ups are art. I mean, even even people in San Francisco kind of some of them don't really understand what that means. And so my parents are like. Okay, you didn't quit your job though, right? I'm like, no, 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 I haven't quit of my job. Of course not. Of yeah. course not. <laughs> yeah, I'm quitting my job. This is and this is 2011 when it was just a just a, a dream for us. But yeah, they were just like, okay, but just make sure you don't quit your job. 
and yeah. now now they kind of they kind of they kind of see it um, growing, and they they they're super supportive. Every time they go back to Taiwan, they're like, "Do you need us to get teas?" I'm like, "No, we have a team that does that." But they're they're the parents are awesome for that. I do want to ask about what do you see Boba Guys being in the next twenty years? So not the next three to five years, but really twenty thirty years. Like, what is that broad vision or futuristic thought you have? Our mission is to bridge cultures. When I worked at Walmart, I learned a lot about just know America and all that kind of stuff. So I think in 20 years, if middle America, the Walmart customer, probably they're not getting the organics and stuff, but if they at least know the boba category, and if we helped do that, if our vision is that one day that culture is bridged across America, not just big cities, I'd, I'd say professionally I'd be pretty happy. A lot of people hate the term, but I think it's actually appropriate. It's uh, mainstream. We would love to go if Boba were mainstream, like if it were in media, if it were, you know, if it were on the show with Jimmy Fallon, if it was, you know, people on TV were drinking it, uh, friends in Texas where I'm from are drinking it. Like if it were prevalent and it was, you know, people know it like they know sushi now or people know it like they know tacos now. Like I think it has that chance and we can start, we can start to see it on the coast, right? That's why we chose New York, even though it was much harder to build a brand, you know, when we're not there day to day. We're in the Lower right? East Side, New York. Yeah, we're in the Lower East Side of New York. We, we could have gone to Flushing. We could have gone to, you know, uh, St. Mark's. We could have gone to all these places. Sure. Even even the locations that we choose to, to build stores in now here in San Francisco, everyone's like, when are you guys going to make it out to the sunset? You know, like, they've got a lot of good bubble shops. Like, there's no, we don't need to actually, we're here to try to bring it to a new crowd. And so... If you were going to ask us 20 years, I think it's like to make it synonymous and make it mainstream. How many stores do you guys want to have by that point? You know, the plan, I'll tell you what our plan is. Our plan is probably like three to four year. That's awesome. Um, with self-funded. Yeah, so four to five years, 20 years, that'd be like maybe 50 or more. I think we got to look at what metro. A lot of people are like LA, Portland, Austin. Yeah, going back to Texas. Actually, Austin would be great because they like their sweet teas. Any last few words of advice for our listeners out there? Those that want to... Um, you know, want to start a business, but still want to make the parents proud, right? Like, how do you, how do you um, balance those two things? I mean, Andrew and I, I think I speak for both of us when we say, like, we do place a lot of emphasis on education. I think there's, like, there's a lot of foundation work that you do. Like, part of the frustration that we have at the stores is we're coaching people that have no corporate training at all. Like, not even an internship, like, nothing like that. And so they're going into their... They're going to their very first job, and our bar and our standards are so high. But they think for the food industry, they're like, "What? Why are you guys so? Why are you guys so demanding? Like this is like supposed to be like this casual part-time job that I have, you know?" But it's because we're corporate trained. We've both been in the agency and the uh, the corporate world for so long. We can't that that'll never leave us. And so I think that's a that's a plus though because it's like you know the game because you've been there. So I think it is somewhat of a detriment to a lot of people that, you know, come out of college, have, you know, some people can do it. Maybe you're Mark Zuckerberg and you're a genius, so you can do it. But most of us aren't. And so a lot of us need to get some of that, like, you know, pay your dues, know what the real world looks like, learn as fast as you can, and then go for it. I, I, I think, and maybe that's because I'm, you know, I think Andrew's the same way. We're a little bit risk averse. And so, like, we both paid our dues and then we both know like what it's going to look like when we do build the company up to the size of what the corporate places that we worked at before. But now we have the added benefit of being like, no, but now we're driven by passion. Now we're going to do what we love. 
lot of people like people ask, "Oh, you guys are so risky." Risky. Ben and I were like, if we were, if we honestly were risky, we wouldn't have like slogged it out for four years with the full time job. If we knew, like, we would have quit like last year because that was like burning a candle on both ends. You guys just quit last year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did. We've been opening stores. We built like, three stores part time. No way. Yeah, on the side. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So we built our first two for sure, and our yeah. third one we signed, and that's when I was I was burning out. I will say I I my my, my parents my parents uh, my friends. <laughs> this is how you know you have good friends. They'd see me, but oh, how's it going? How's the boba stuff? Man, you look like shit. Like that's literally <laughs> like how the car was boom 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 boom. And then I was like, oh, sorry, yeah, I just haven't been eating well or like exercising. So you got to have a little bit of a, I mean, some people nowadays call it the zero fucks gene. I'm saying, I'm swearing a lot at the end. But like, it's, the entrepreneurs do need a little bit of like, like, you do care what people think, but it doesn't let, it doesn't determine who you are. So Ben and I do care, you know, give us good feedback. And I do care how I, how we manage and how we lead. And I would say he and I are, are in that way, very, very similar. We don't care what people think of us. Social risk has been a part of our DNA. So if you're, if someone's listening and wondering, make sure that you, you're the type of person. Doesn't mean you're bad or good. It's just, are you the type of person that can handle being different, or do you want to be like everybody else? He and I, in the early days, we still do it a lot, but we we self-actualize, right? And it's mm -hmm. like yeah. when we. <laughs> Like we would uh, when we were scheming about boba guys and like what what would it look like? This is before the pop up. This is before uh -huh. we had any drinks made or anything. We were already we were definitely practicing for podcast we were, interviews. We were practicing for uh, interviews. You know, like, <laughs> wait, we're already? like yeah, no we were, way. We were just, just practicing we'd be eating lunch, and I think I would say something like, "I'm like, I don't think that would work for this podcast. I wouldn't buy that." Like as if I were the interviewing him. Yeah, and so we would revise our approach, and like it helped us hone. Like you know, what is our what is our tone? What is our message? What do we stand for? Because it wasn't until that, it was like later into the pop-up and we were about to build our store where we solidified, like, these are the values that we're going to stand behind. This is what, you know, this is what we build this, this whole company on. And so I think you kind of have to self-actualize that, especially in the beginning, because no one else is going to do it for you. And otherwise, you're going to end up chasing the industry or chase the trends. In some ways, you have to, you have to everyone that's in the early stage has to drink the Kool-Aid. You have to, everyone has to be all in on that. Wow, that was a really fun chat with Andrew and Ben from the Boba Guys. We can really empathize with them coming from corporate backgrounds and transitioning to industries that we're really passionate about. So maybe one day we'll you know, think about opening a restaurant or a Japanese whiskey lounge or you know, let us know if you're interested in that also. And by the way, if you haven't visited Boba Guys, definitely check them out in San Francisco or New York. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fish Sauce Podcast. Hopefully you're one step closer to discovering your secret sauce. And if you like what you heard, like our Facebook page, Fish Sauce Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Fish Sauce Pod. Thanks again for joining in and hope you enjoyed the show.